Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham. It is so wonderful to have y'all here in this space today. And on today's episode, we have Lindsay. Throughout Lindsay's pregnancy journey, she struggled and dealt with infertility, as well as a miscarriage with her first child, feeling untethered from her body and soul. After overcoming that dark chapter, Lindsay realized that pregnancy and birth are an invitation to heal ourselves, body, mind, and spirit. Her wish for women is that we were collectively taught the beauty of leaning in and surrendering to the process that is motherhood. And I hope y'all enjoy this episode and thank you again so much for being here. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jaden. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Um, Yes. So wherever you'd like to begin your story, please share. Okay. Um, so my story starts with, um, my fertility journey. Um, I had known for years before I was even really ready to conceive that my hormones were like off quote off. I had seen a naturopath and done some blood work and, you know, things were pretty off. So for a couple of years, even before conception was on my radar, I had tried to get my hormones in line just for general health reasons. And I'd gone off like hormonal birth control and, I was taking bioidentical hormones. And then the year before we decided to start conceiving, I spent that whole year trying to like really zero in on like fertility and health. And I was doing natural family planning, fertility awareness, charting, temping, everything. So super in tune with my body and my cycles. And I knew I wasn't ovulating for the whole year. And no matter like how many hormones we threw at it, I couldn't, I wasn't ovulating. So we started to try anyway. I mean, why not? So, why not? um, what was that? Oh, oh I just said, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, <laughs> we want to anyway. So, um, we did that for a whole year. I kept taking these bioidentical hormones through my naturopath and we kept trying and I kept charting and I wasn't ovulating. So obviously I wasn't conceiving. And at the end of that year, my naturopath was like, I think it's probably a good idea for you to go see a reproductive endocrinologist, a fertility doctor. So we did that. And I showed up to my first appointment. I had printed off like all of my charts for two years, like history of my cycles, written down all my thoughts. And I like came in with a folder and they didn't want any of that. Um, they wanted like a basic history and like why we were there and what we had done, um, And then they had us do a bunch of testing, like, you know, tested my husband's sperm, looked at my uterus, my fallopian tubes, my egg reserves, and all of those things checked out normal and healthy. So they put us in this box of unexplained infertility and it was very impersonal and it felt very cold and there were no answers there. And the reason we went there, one was obviously to get pregnant, but also like, why isn't my body quote, like working and why aren't I ovulating? Can you help me with that? And that's not their job. They weren't there to help me get to the root cause. They were just there to help me get pregnant, which, you know, ultimately is why we were there. So, um, we did fertility treatments for six months. Um, you know, like the shots to stimulate your follicles and force ovulation. And then I would have to take another drug to make my uterine lining thicker because some other drug was making it thinner. And it just was like drugs, drugs, drugs. And I was ovulating, but I still wasn't conceiving. Um, so we did that for six months and then they said, okay, we're going to take your box and put you on the next part of the conveyor belt. And that's IVF. And I was like, whoa, like, what about this IUI thing? Like, let's try IUI. And Mm -hmm. they said, 
we give you like a five to 10% chance of conceiving with IUI. And I was like, well, Lindsay, what is, um, if you don't mind me asking, what does IUI stand for? Oh gosh. What has been so many years intrauterine in, uh, oh my gosh, I did it twice. How can I forget? But it's basically, so the, (laughs) the process is they take a catheter and they put it in your vagina through your cervix in your uterus. And then they push okay. the sperm all the way to the top of your uterus. So the sperm doesn't have to travel okay. very far. So it's just, they deposit okay. it right outside your fallopian tubes where it can swim okay. right and get your eggs. So, okay. and then IVF is- uterine insemination. Insemination. That sounds you. right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Just- <laughs> it was like a life ago when I was doing that lifetime. So yes, thank you. So- Totally. I advocated for that. And it's also a massive price difference. So IVF mm-hmm. is, you know, like 30,000 plus dollars. IUI mm. was, you know, 1500 ish dollars. And this was years ago. So I don't yeah. know what they are now. And we'd already spent a ton of money in the past six months. So I was like, well, let's try this first, you know, and it's a l- slightly less medical um, procedure. So they're like, I don't know, you know, you got five to 10% chance. And I had told them in the very beginning, like, I don't have cervical mucus. Like I've been watching my charts for two plus years or watching my body and charting. And I've never had fertile cervical mucus. And I know that's, Mm. you know, pretty much a requirement from get getting the sperm from point A to point B in your body. And could that have something to do with it? And they're like, well, you don't know. So I really pushed for the IUI, even though they're really pushing for IVF, because I thought without the mucus, like the catheter will get the sperm there. And maybe that's the whole problem is the sperm can't get here. So we did the IUI and it was actually in our fifth wedding anniversary, that first one. So it felt like a really good, like omen and sign. And, um, right after we did the IUI, we were leaving on like a two week camping trip through Colorado. And, um, they want you to be there like right on day 14 to take these tests. And I was like, I'll take some pregnancy tests with me. It's no big deal. And I'm like squatting outside, like our vintage camper, like in the forest, like trying to pee on these little sticks, like all over the forest. (laughs) And, um, I remember getting a super faint positive, like in the forest and like, okay, I need to get like, a. these are just like the really thin little test strips. I need to go get like a Mm -hmm. first response or something like maybe a little more sensitive in, in my mind. So we were in Telluride and I went to a pharmacy and got like a fancy pregnancy test and took it in like the bathroom of a pizza place on our way to the next camping spot (laughs) and just watched the line turn pink and was so happy. And, um, so yeah, I told my husband like at our next camping spot and he were just like jumping in the forest and so happy and (laughs) it was so beautiful and sweet. And then we get back home. And so I go back to my naturopath. And I'm like, Hey, will you test, test my progesterone? Cause I knew I known mine was historically low and I was mm-hmm. taking progesterone through the fertility clinic. They had like a synthetic form, like a suppository. And my naturopath had been giving me like a bioidentical hormone, but I switched to the, uh, fertility clinics, um, progesterone. So okay. I wanted to test it to make sure it was high enough to sustain a pregnancy and just like everything aligned. My uh, naturopath was out of town. So I did the test, but I didn't get the results back for like a week and a half. And in the meantime, I had gone to the fertility clinic and done my HCG test. And my first set of numbers came back pregnant, but kind of low. And they want to retest you like every 48 hours for like a week to make sure it's rising normally. And I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, it's okay. You're just early. It didn't feel okay to me, but I, you know, sat with that for a couple of days and then I did another test and it didn't go up very much. And I was like, what does this mean? And they're like, it can mean a lot of things. It can mean it's not a viable pregnancy. It could be like a slow start. Let's test again in two more days. And then like around that time is when I got the results back from my progesterone with the naturopath. And he was like, your progesterone is like rock bottom. Like it's so low, even though I was taking some. So, um, I did another, I started taking more progesterone got another blood draw and my HCG was just like turning back negative. So I was losing that pregnancy, which was ridiculous. I was like, how is this fair? Like God universe, why are you doing this? Like it took me two years to get this baby. Like, how could I be losing this baby that I worked so hard for? Um, 
it was ridiculous. I was so sad and mad and it seemed so unfair, but, um, I remember being so confused, like what to expect on what to expect. I wanted to know, like, what is this miscarriage going to look like? What is it going to feel like? How long am I going to bleed? How much am I going to bleed? What's going to come out of me? Um, and just like having so many questions and nowhere to turn for those answers. I mean, no one can exactly tell you what to expect, but just not having any answers at all is awful. And um, so I remember seeing my acupuncturist and I was like, you help me get pregnant. Can you help me get unpregnant? <laughs> like this is over. The blood draws are confirming it. Can you help me move this along? And in hindsight, I probably would have let my body do its job all on its own, but I was so desperate to get pregnant again. It felt all of a sudden very foreign with this pregnancy me that was over, but still there. So she gave me some herbs, made like a little tea and it really got things moving the next day. I, um, it's kind of weird, but I wanted to see the baby, like what was left of it or how far it got. I was, it might be TMI, but I remember everything that came out of me, like when I was, you know, bleeding for those two days, I would like examine it and look. And I was like, okay, that looks like tissue. And then I remember finding like a tiny little sack, probably the size of my pinky nail and just like crying over that little sack. Like, oh, are you my baby? Maybe like, this is the most baby looking thing that's come out of me. And just telling it, like, I loved you. I wanted you. I'll always love you you'll always be special, like my first little baby. So I don't know. I know it was just like the physical remains, but I wanted it to know love at some point and it's physical journey on earth. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm glad, like, I don't know if that was my baby or not, but <laughs> I'm glad I got to like see, and I wasn't afraid of it. So, um, the fertility doctor had told me, you know, after you have your loss, we'll wait one more cycle and then you can start again. So the next month we got right back on the IUI train, did all the drugs and medicine, had the procedure. Um, this time I didn't do any of their progesterone. I just went straight to my naturopath and used the bioidentical progesterone, high dosed it, (laughs) did my test through him. Mm -hmm. And, um, we got pregnant again and uh, that baby is my three and a half year old now. So that pregnancy stuck Mm -hmm. and, uh, that pregnancy was amazing and magical. And also during this pregnancy, this like strong invitation to heal just kept coming up for me. There was like this desire and this invitation, and I didn't really know where to turn and what I even wanted help with or where I needed help or healing. I mean, I had ideas, but it kind of felt as though I'd been floating through life, like kind of untethered, you know, body and soul, not really connected or grounded. And this baby was asking for a grounded mother and, um, not really knowing where to turn or who to turn to. I'd had some friends who'd seen this woman who was an energy worker, intuitive healer, and that sounded great and like something I should try. So I did. And she helped a bit, but I think I either needed to see her a lot more or needed, you know, other other practitioners to help me, you know? So mm-hmm. I think the main thing I really needed help with in addition to like the healing of old wounds and traumas was the transition from maiden to mother. It was just so foreign to me. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't even really know at the time that that's what it was or what I was struggling with in hindsight. It was definitely like, I was struggling with that. And I can see myself putting up like the roadblocks to that transition. Um, So I didn't really know how to proceed. So I kind of left that healing journey there, even though I still had the desire and the call to take more steps. I didn't know how to, so I left it. Um, On the other end of pregnancy, the physical stuff, I was super comfortable. My body felt great. The pregnancy felt great. Um, I was doing, you know, acupuncture and massages and I'd had chronic back pain my whole life. And so those are things I did anyways, to just kind of stay standing. And, um, yeah, I had a home birth midwife with that pregnancy and my care through midwife. Um, 
And yeah, that pregnancy ended up going to 41 weeks and five days. Okay. And I thought I would go early because my mom went early in all her pregnancies, like 37 weeks, 38 weeks, but here I am like nearing out the 42 week mark. And <laughs> I remember everybody at the end of that pregnancy being like, where's your baby? Are you going to have that baby today? Are you going to induce? Is your midwife going to still quote, deliver you if you go past, you know? And I was just like, oh my God, like I was in such a place of trust and Right. Believing that my baby will choose their due date and everything was fine. We're both still healthy, but like mm-hmm. the veil is so thin at the end that even just those questions start to like chip away at your resolve. Even if you're in this place of trust mm-hmm. and believing it can still eat at you. So mm-hmm. that was really hard, but I, it was a mental game. Like I stayed in that place of trust, tried to tune everything out and lo and behold, I still went to labor naturally at 41 and five. So it happens. <laughs> And, um, so for that birth, um, I woke up on the morning of like 41 and four and peed and had a bloody show. And I remember being so excited, like, oh my God, this is finally happening. I was really excited to give birth. It just seemed like a huge, awesome process. Couldn't wait to partake in that. So, um, I think one of the things that made me and kept me excited and not in a huge place of fear was for me personally, I know not everybody wants to go this route, but for me having a deep understanding of the process and like the stages and here's what happens in the stage and here's what your body is doing and here's what the baby is doing and here's how you're working together and um, particularly understanding transition and like, here's what you might think, here's how you might feel, here's how you might become overwhelmed and those helped me like mentally stay in it, you know, like, okay, this is getting really hard, but this is what my body is doing. So it makes sense that it's really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. so I felt really excited to be like starting this journey, even though I didn't know what to expect or anything. Um, and I'd assumed I'd have a long labor and I don't know why, because again, my mom had early labors and fast labors but I kind of tried to get my headspace in the place of like, let's plan for the hardest. Let's plan for like a two right. day <laughs> And if it goes faster, <laughs> awesome, we're done. <laughs> so I was planning totally. on like a two day labor. I had like <laughs> so much stuff ready to go. And it wasn't, I mean, thankfully, cause I, that was a lot of work. A first time labor was a lot of work, but um, mm-hmm. I think from like first contraction to the time my baby was born was 12 hours, but the like hard work when the contractions really picked up to the time she came out was about eight. So pretty good mm-hmm. amount of time for, I think a first time. And so, yeah, I lost my mucus plug and had the bloody show. And then I had like on and off contractions because this was the day before and went and got a massage contraction stopped. I'm like, well, it's still going to happen because I had a bloody show. So it's coming soon and went to bed mm-hmm. that night, got a great night's sleep. And then woke up the next morning and the contractions started picking up a little bit. They were super inconsistent. And around 11 AM, I'm like, I'm just going to go lay down. This is silly. Like, what am I waiting for? You know? And the second I lay down, like the second I had a massive contraction and I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And then from there, it just started getting more and more regular. Um, They fell into a pattern and they were getting, you know, a little more intense. So they're lasting a little bit longer. Um, I had a doula and she came over. And she had started giving me some hip squeezes and I was like, oh no, absolutely not. And (laughs) because I love like body work, it's been something I, you know, done my whole adult life and it, I love it. And then all of a sudden hearing with this doula providing these awesome hip squeezes. And I was like, absolutely immediately. No, stop touching me. Mm -hmm. I did not want to be touched like at all, which shocked me. I thought I would. So kind of just moved through it by myself in the beginning and she was also a photographer. So she was taking a beautiful pictures. And at some point she was like, you know, maybe you want to try the shower. And I was like, that sounds amazing. So I like grabbed my husband, literally pulled him into the shower so I could like bury my face in his chest and like lean off his, pull off his shoulders. And oh my gosh, the water on my back felt just amazing. And while I was in the shower, I got just waves of nausea and I'm like sweaty and shaky and I'm throwing up. And I remember my doula saying, Hey, welcome to transition. And I was like, yes, because again, I had remembered and like the phases, you know, I'm like, oh, that means I'm getting close. Like this intensity and me barfing are actually good things. I'm getting closer. And 
So for me, knowing that, like, it helped me stay in that place of like, oh, I've got this. Like, even though this is getting harder, Mm -hmm. we're getting closer. So that's okay. Um, and like, I welcomed that transition and that building of intensity because one of my mottos for that birth was the only way out is through, like, just got to get through this. So Mm -hmm. while I showered, I think my midwife arrived and they filled the birth pool and then after we ran out of hot water, I went and got in the tub and oh my gosh, again, just another layer of relief in that warm water. It felt so good. I stayed in there for a while and I remember asking for a check at some point because it was getting really intense and I wanted to know like where I was, like if I'm at a four, okay, I've got a lot of work to do. I got to get mentally prepared to keep going. Or if I'm at like an eight, okay, that makes sense. I would match the intensity in my mind anyway. Right. So I asked for a check and I think it was eight and a half. And I was like, yes, like we're moving. This is so awesome. (laughs) And it was around that time too, that I just, I turned deep inward, like even deeper than I already had. I closed my eyes were closed the whole time. Um, the room was already dark. I think it was dark outside too. And I started like straight up hallucinating. It was amazing. It was like the best birth eye ever. One of there's two things that like I really deeply like still remember and can like feel, you know, like the the visions of one was almost like a neon pink and purple like protea flower. And it was just like blooming over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well that's wow. symbolic. Like that's me blooming and me opening probably. And mm-hmm. so that was super cool. And then another one I saw, which oof, this one was so beautiful and powerful was with my eyes closed. I was like traveling up this tree and it was like this thick, beautiful, ancient looking tree. And on each branch, there was like a woman and like a baby. And these were just ancestors. And it was very clear to me that these are all the women that had birthed before me. And I was like, oh, they're here with me. Like how beautiful, mm-hmm. um, just getting to like go to that place and receive that, you know, back was just amazing. And I love that. And I wish everybody so had in pregnancy and birth and that's so, so, so beautiful. beautiful. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And I wish I was an artist so I could like draw these things, you know, to get them right. down so other people could see my hallucinations in childbirth because they were so beautiful. Um, they'd just be like stick drawings if I tried, so I won't, but yeah, they were just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and and I think that I needed that to get through the next part because it got really hard, um, really hard and really powerful. So I remember having wild, intense pressure, just not really fetal ejection reflex, just pressure, so much pressure. And it felt good to push like against it. And it wasn't me pushing with my body. It was kind of like me pushing into it. So I, um, pushed in the birth pool for a while. And I kept trying to like curl my body into like a C, but then I would have to put my head like completely under the water, which I wasn't super opposed to going under, but another TMI, but it's birth, but I pooped in the water. So I didn't want to put my head in the water. So like, I was like, I can't put my face in here. I'm not doing that. Um, but like, I kept trying yeah, to, like, I just have around. to, I just have to interject. Nothing on this podcast is TMI. Okay. That's just true. so you know. That's true. Just so we're aware. That's true. <laughs> it's a that's birth true. podcast. Everybody listening yeah, knows what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. You're good. So um I my, you know, they suggested my midwife had noticed that I was trying to like move my body. And she's like, I noticed you're trying to like curl up. Like, do you want to try getting out and pushing a little bit? Maybe you can get your body in a different position. And it sounded good to me. So I got out and tried pushing the foot of my bed, like leaning over a stool for another 40 minutes. So now I'm at like an hour and a half of pushing. And then they suggest maybe trying the bed for a little bit. So I get on my back in the bed and it felt really good to lay on my back. That position felt very restful. And they suggested maybe my, that because maybe my baby was like getting stuck on my pelvic bone and not really coming down and under it. So maybe if I switched to my back for a little bit, she could come under. So we did that. And then she did make progress. Like she was coming out more with my pushes, but I was so tired. I just was like, no, I'm staying here. Um, so I stayed on my back and had, you know, my husband and my doula holding my feet and pushing that way. And I think there was probably another 
30, 40 minutes of pushing, pushed forever. And again, I didn't really experience any fetal ejection reflex that whole time. And I remember birthing the head and just, you know, like the in, the out, and then the in a little bit, and then the out more of the head and then in a little bit and just the in and out. Oh my gosh. I was like, this has got to end soon. This hurts. This is wild. <laughs> the ring of fire was brutal. But again, the only way out is through it's all temporary. Um, and then her head came out and I was like, yes. And then with the next push, I pushed so hard and got her body out and she was born fully in call. Her sack was intact. And then it broke like right by her feet as she like came out onto the bed and my husband was there to catch her. And then my midwife helped, you know, pull the sack off and she had a nuchal cord. So they unwrapped that. And then my husband put her on my chest and I like could finally breathe like, oh my God, like, thank God she's here. And everyone's safe and I'm done pushing because that was so long. <laughs> and, um, oh my gosh, she was so healthy. She pinked up right away. She just let out like the tiniest little cry and just like looked at me with her dark brown eyes. And it was just like, everything changed your whole life changes like in just that instant. Um, it was amazing. And then as I'm holding her and like taking in the, you know, those first few moments, I see my midwife's just her brow furrow, just the slightest bit. And I caught it and I was like, what is it? And she was like, well, you're bleeding a little bit more than I like to see. And I was like, okay. She's like, can you give a little push and we'll see if your placenta comes out. So I gave a little push and I felt just like clots pour out of me, just like chunky, chunky, chunky coming out of me. And she's like, okay, stop pushing. And she's like, I'm sorry. And then she did the fundal massage and I'm still bleeding a lot. And she was like, Hey, let's, we need to take care of this. I have, and I, Oh, I think I have the name of the drug, right? Mistoprostol. Is that it? Yes. Mm -hmm. She's like, I I have this, I have this or I have Pitocin. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about the first one, the Mistoprostol. I knew a little bit about Pitocin. And so I knew enough to know I didn't want it. And I was like, well, let's do the other one. I don't know anything about it. So let's do that. Is it all baby safe, breastfeeding safe? And she's like, yeah, of course. So we do the Mr. Prostol and my bleeding stops. It's under control. We're good there. Um, and I, that is something I would have changed about that birth prep and um, situation is I would have loved to have those conversations before having a baby, like, what does it look like if I bleed too much or mm-hmm. what are, what do you have on hand? In my mind, I was like, Oh, midwife, she's going to have tinctures. Some, not all. Right. So, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So I wish I would have known sometimes like, sometimes too. Yeah. 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 I wish yeah. I would have known like, yeah. here's my first go-to or, you know, like mm-hmm. I wish we would have talked about it, had a plan. Um, absolutely. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, everything was fine. The bleeding stopped. Um, I mm-hmm. did have pretty significant blood loss. I got up to pee a little while later and, you know, they knew it had a lot of blood loss. So they were walking with me arm in arm and I fainted in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They, you know, lowered me down and had me pee, like laying down on a Chuck's pad while I came to. And, um, it was a rough postpartum because of that, like that blood loss too. I was dizzy for days. I myself like was super jaundiced. My skin was yellow. Um, but other than that, I felt like physically, like you had a baby, like sore, tired, you know, um, mm-hmm. and the baby was super healthy, um, perfect little girl. So, mm-hmm. and she's three and a half now. And when she was about a year post a year, when I was a year postpartum and she was a year old, we were like, well, let's start thinking about getting pregnant. And mm-hmm. I'd had not a super, super tough postpartum with her, but not super easeful or restful. I had known Mm -hmm. the best thing you can do is stay in bed and let your body heal. But like, I wanted to take my baby and go to Starbucks and, you know, meet a friend for coffee and (laughs) go to brunch. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I pushed it definitely too hard, even though like I had the time, I should have spent that time like intentionally focused on healing and resting. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, that, that year, the year of travail, I think it's called just rocked me. I, again, like I was doing this made into mother transition and I was resisting. I wasn't, 
I wasn't letting myself transition, I guess. Um, and again, it wasn't like something I was aware of. I wasn't like actively choosing, but I was very much stuck in maiden and like my body was like, no, you're mom now. Like you gotta make this leap. You gotta mm-hmm. transition. So I think that's a huge piece of why that postpartum was hard was just this internal conflict. Um, I had so much anxiety. Um, and in that year, all these raw unhealed parts of me, everything that came up in the beginning of pregnancy came back up in postpartum. And there was like, no, not dealing with it. It was like, you, you will find a way and you will deal with these things. And so I made a promise to myself, like, yeah, let's do this. Let's heal. Let's work on these things. And then with that came this tenderness for myself, like almost like a reparenting tenderness, like, like a new patience and a new commitment to myself. So that was kind of my next plan through, um, healing was to bring myself home, I guess. So in addition to healing that stuff, I needed to work on my fertility also because I knew IUI would probably work again if we went that route, but I really, really, really wanted to heal my body and bring my fertility back. And I'd learn a thing or two in the last year about bringing it back. So I made some big changes. I, um, changed my diet. I had been mostly vegan for like 10 years and I brought back some animal foods, um, really just like eggs, occasional seafood, collagen. I started really slow trying to ease it back in. And then I connected with my womb space. I did massage, um, with like a special womb oil. Mm -hmm. I saw a, um, myofascial release therapist and she did, um, some work on my womb space. And she was like, your uterus is pulling really tight to one side. So she evened and helped things out in that area. I started seed cycling. Um, I hadn't had a cycle. My cycle hadn't come back, not surprising. So I just kind of picked like a time, like, okay, I have cramps. Let's say those are like premenstrual cramps. So that would mean my period would be starting around this time. And so let's start, you know, this seed this time. So just kind of a guessing game, but started seed cycling. Um, I started doing vaginal steams. I took some liver, uh, detox support supplements. I saw a new naturopath cause I'd moved and my new naturopath, um, gave me a luteal phase and a follicular phase tincture to help support, you know, cycles. I was wearing like fertility crystals. I was praying. I was connecting with my baby spirit, like just trying to hit it from every angle. Like we're going to bring this fertility back. We're doing this on every level. And I, um, another huge piece was leaning into the unknown. Like I was like, okay, I know I can go get an IUI. I know I can go take these drugs and get pregnant, but it took like an immense amount of trust and leaning in to the unknown and just surrendering to the process Mm -hmm. to say like, we're just going to give this time and we're going to let my body work. We're going to support it. And that was probably the hardest part for me was that surrender piece. I, love to control and know how things are going to go and have a plan. So that was an extra challenge for me, but I just think probably the most vital piece, um, was just letting it happen. So I did all of that for maybe a month or two. And my period came back all by itself for the first time since I was a teenager. Cause I went on the hormonal birth control when I was like 17. And so it was, you know, decade plus, um, almost two decades of not having a period. And I finally had my own period without drugs or hormones. And, oh my God, I was just absolutely elated. Like my body works. (laughs) I did it. I healed. (laughs) And, um, so I started, you know, tracking again and I watched each, so I had three cycles and I remember each one became like more regular and more quote normal. Like my temperatures were, normal and like following an ovulation pattern. And my mucus was there. I finally had cervical mucus and that was following an ovulation pattern. And I was also taking like those OPK as the, um, ovulation predictor strips. And those were lining up, like everything was lining up and I'm like, could this be real? Like, did my body just heal? Like, am I having a normal, healthy cycle? And Mm. it was just, it was so amazing. And I remember my first period came on like the hunter moon, the hunter full moon that October. And I just remember going outside and just like opening my arms to the moon. Like, thank you. <laughs> like, thanks for no. bringing it on. 
And so I had those three cycles and we conceived in the third cycle, which wild that it took two years and thousands of dollars and fertility treatments with my first daughter. And here we are pregnant after three cycles, only three cycles, like wild to me. So, um, yeah, I knew the second, like we had sex, I'm like, I'm pregnant. (laughs) like there's a baby here we're we're having this baby like this is happening and Mm -hmm. I was taking like a ridiculous amount of pregnancy tests way too early because like I knew it I knew it I knew it and I just wanted that confirmation like not only did you have a cycle but you got pregnant on your own too so you know day seven or eight I got the tiniest little line and just kept testing until I'm like okay this is ridiculous I'm clearly pregnant (laughs) and (laughs) like I said we'd moved so now we are living in northern Arizona and um you know I got to find a new midwife and this is also very early 2020 I conceived her in early 2020 and I was like all you know I'll go meet people. I'll join the birth circles and the prenatal groups through the birth center and the midwives up here and we'll see. And then it was like, boom, pandemic, like you're not going anywhere. No one's holding any birth circles. (laughs) So that was a bummer, (laughs) but it also gave me a lot of time to really hit like the healing aspect of what I wanted to do and helped me a lot that time, you know, for those things instead. So, um, this pregnancy, like right away was super different than my first. I mean, I had an 18 month old, so that probably plays a big role, but I was so, so, so tired. My body just hurt like the whole time, like everything just hurt. The second, like I popped, you know, like my belly popped at like 15 weeks. It felt like bowling balls. Like it was so heavy, even though it wasn't even that big yet, it was just physically harder. And with that, it was also emotionally harder because all of that stuff that I didn't finish dealing with came up and it was like an alarm, like heal me, heal me, heal me, just going off all the time. Mm -hmm. So again, I really didn't know like where to turn to do this work. There were so many different threads I wanted to work on and like weave together. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up finding a therapist who did like somatic body work and therapy to kind of heal like a sexual trauma piece when that made a lot of sense to me. And then there was like these emotional threads and spiritual threads and this, you know, idea of ancestral trauma and the mother wound. And those were coming up for me. Um, and I was like, I don't know if the therapist can help me with like ancestral trauma, maybe, but like, it felt like I needed different, different avenues for different, different parts. So, um, I, uh, ended up working with Marin because she was still in Arizona at the time. And, oh my gosh, what a blessing that was. <laughs> Marin has all those answers and all those resources. Uh-huh. And it was like, this baby brought me here for a reason, like to this part of Arizona so I could work with her and do this healing work. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's actually, we were pregnant at the same time. That was when she was pregnant with her 10th. So I think that was also a special piece of like being pregnant together and healing together. And, um, yeah, she had so many answers and it was just everything I'd been looking for, you know, like, so I did Mm -hmm. a bunch of other work and it was just like this massive coming home during that pregnancy and during that postpartum, which I'll get to, it was just like Mm -hmm. all these different untethered pieces of me, like wove back together. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it was just amazing. And that is, something I want to tell like every woman about and like scream from the rooftops, like pregnancy can be so much more than growing your baby and birth can be so much more Mm -hmm. than birthing your baby and bringing them here. Like there's deep invitations and like initiations that can happen if you're open to it. And if you, you know, especially if you don't know where to go, if you know someone who knows how to get you there and it was just, yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I love this side of pregnancy and birth so much. So Mm -hmm a lot of work in that second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the right time and it all just worked out beautifully. So, um, some things I did differently in this pregnancy were I lied about my due date to almost everybody. I, <laughs> by like 10 days, I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that again, even though it right. didn't 
freak me out or I didn't get like really mad. It's just such a sensitive time. I wanted to protect that space, you know, and not even have to be like, Oh my gosh, they're asking me again. Like (laughs) this time, I'm sorry, mom. If you listen, like I lied to her too. Like everybody (laughs) had the wrong two days. (laughs) Everybody. I, um, I mean, like, you know, obviously husband, midwife, doula, they all had the right date, but Uh yeah, I really wanted to protect that time. And it wasn't, it was more about me protecting it than anything else. So, um, yeah, I think it was 10 days, but it it worked. It really helped. No one was like on my, you know, case. They're like, Hey, where's that baby? Even though I did end up going past my due date again. So I also in this pregnancy continued to change my diet. I felt incredibly, I was, I didn't feel I was, I was incredibly depleted from, you know, now I'm on my third pregnancy, even though the first was so short, I've been, I was still nursing my toddler through that pregnancy. Um, I hadn't really like replenished myself, you know, after the first pregnancy. So I added more animal protein. And one day I was just like, I am going to go get some red meat and I'm just going to try it. We're going to see how it goes. I got some steak mm-hmm. and it was a full body. Yes. And felt amazing in my mouth. My body was like so receptive. I swear the animal fat went like straight to my brain and like coated my neurons. And it was like, Oh, you can think clearly. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing for me personally. I needed it. And I think that made a big difference for me also in my postpartum, having my body actually be truly nourished. Um, and then also, I planned for this postpartum. I didn't really do any planning for my first. I just figured, you know, people bring us food. We'll, we'll lay in bed when we can. And so for this one, again, we'd moved, you know, three hours away from where we lived with our first and where our parents live. And, um, I planned for it. I asked for a lot of help. I said, this is what I want it to look like. Can you help me with that? You know, to my mother-in-law and my mom. And thankfully between the two of them, we had almost a month of like, you know, them being here pretty much around the clock, which was amazing and made all the difference. And yeah, I attribute so much of my like healthy postpartum and mothering to them being there for me. So I actually made like a postpartum binder and I was like, here's my daughter's schedule and here's what she can eat. And, you know, like just all the information I thought they might need to know to help us. Here's trash day, like everything I thought to have people help us. So it was very, 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 very helpful to have them here for that long. And, um, what else did I do? I talked to Marin a lot about, you know, my past hemorrhage and placenta birth. And we planned for it this time. We talked about, I wanted to know, like, why did that happen? And not that we can ever exactly know why that happened and why I bled so much. There are some things that can lead to it. So we did go down those routes. And one of the things is not emptying your bladder. And I didn't pee like my whole labor. I didn't pee at all. So that was probably part of it. Um, also, once I got on the bed on my back, I was having coached pushing. So I was, you know, not really pushing intuitively with my body. That can be a factor. So we talked about the different things, you know, we obviously would do to avoid that. And also things we could do to like help the placenta, you know, come out on its own. So it was funny because she, at the end of, you know, one of my prenatals, she was like, is there anything you want me to remind you of when you are in labor? And I was like, yeah, you can help me remember to pee so I can, you know, make sure I empty my bladder and don't bleed. And I peed like that whole labor, like without her, before she even got there, I was just peeing like the whole labor. I was constantly in the bathroom. <laughs> my body just you got to pee this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so even, like, talking about it brings the awareness to your body and you know, I wasn't like, Oh, I have to go pee because I don't want to bleed. Like I was just peeing. So, right. Um, and then I also knew like in this one that I was just going to surrender to my own rebirth, you know, in labor and also in postpartum, I wasn't going to fight it. I'd been doing all this work in my pregnancy and I'm going to bring that all together in the postpartum because it's all going to come together when I'm reborn too. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I knew like a new me was coming and I felt like at home enough to let her in, you know, so hard to describe, but I knew a new me was coming 
and there was no mm-hmm. resistance to her. So I'd finally woven together enough of me to know that like this change is going to be good. So mm-hmm. I just was like, let's, let's face it. Let's do it. So, and then, yeah. So then I guess the birth really is the next part. Um, the birth of my youngest. So on a Sunday night, I started having just wild stomach pains, not cramping like a stomach pain. And I'd had my appendix out like 10 years prior. And I'm like, it kind of felt like that, like very localized and a sharp pain. And I was like, maybe this is like a gas pain or I'm constipated. Like I was super regular in pregnancy. So it didn't really feel like that, but it was very intense to the point where I kind of got on my hands and knees on the floor at one point. I'm like, what is this kind of like move through the pain. I'm like, this is definitely not labor. I wish it was, this is worse than labor. <laughs> I want this to end. Mm-hmm. So I got in bed and just like laid there and then woke up the next morning. It was still there, not crazy intense, but still painful. So I stayed in bed like all day Monday and Monday night, it had kind of started to dissipate. I was, you know, going to the bathroom and I was like, okay, this was probably a GI issue maybe. And I remember texting my doula like, Hey, I'm either just letting you know, I have a lot of gas or labor's coming. Like <laughs> something's happening in my body. I'm letting you know, cause she was driving up, you know, the two and a half hours she had been my doula with the first and she was going to come up and be our doula again. So I wanted to give her a big heads up. Um, so that was that Monday. And then I woke up on Tuesday morning. And, you know, went to the restroom and wiped and there was bloody show again. I'm like, all right, today is the day. Probably, um, the contraction started, you know, slow and small, but they were obviously, I had had Braxton, Braxton Hicks with both my pregnancies. And these were obviously different, like early labor, they're deep, like you could kind of feel like in your cervix, like deep in your groin and your thighs, very clearly different labor contractions. So, um, my doula heads up, my husband's self-employed. So he's like, I got to go tie up some things. Are you going to be okay? So he went to work for a couple hours. I had had a friend coming over to watch my toddler. Um, cause I had like a therapy, like that somatic therapist I talked about, like I had a therapy appointment with her. So I had a friend coming mm-hmm. over to watch my daughter during that anyway. So I canceled the therapy and she still watched my daughter And, um, I just got to go like, you know, listen to a guided meditation and lay down and just like talk to the baby. Oh, it was such like a really beautiful start to have a couple minutes of alone time and connection. Um, and then my doula arrived around 11 that morning and it's right around the time as my contractions were like demanding more of me, like before I was like making her lunch and like, it would happen. I would just kind of sway as I was talking And then all of a sudden I kind of had to like put my hand on the counter and close my eyes and like breathe. And I'm like, Oh, we're picking up here. And kind of the theme of that whole labor was like me being in two places at once, like not really believing I was actually in labor. And then I would have like a big contraction and my brain would be like, you're really in labor. I'd be like, Oh, I'm really in labor. And then I'd come out and I'd be like, maybe, maybe it'll dissipate. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I was kind of that up and down the entire time. So my husband got home from work around noon. I remember texting him like, Hey, things are picking up. You should head home. And he's like, great. So he came home and he put our daughter to bed. She was two years old, two years old and three months now. So he put her down for a nap and he comes into the room and I'm like starting to vocalize a little bit through the contractions. And he's like, Whoa, like, I didn't think you were this far along, like when I left and I'm like, well, I wasn't, but I am now <laughs> like, it's moving fast. Mm-hmm. He was like, Oh, cool. So also around that time is when my Julia, she tried the hip squeezes again. And I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. Don't ever stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Don't stop touching me. And so she gave me those hip squeezes and they were absolutely fabulous this time. I was like, please don't ever stop. And, um, so yeah, and we, you know, we'd let, I let Marin know and Ashley know, and they were on standby and, um, something I was actually worried about was labor moving too fast because again, in my mind, like my mom had had these labors that like each time it was like half the length, you know, and her last labor with my youngest sibling was very short. And 
I loved that labor land space, that, that time and place in my first labor, when I got to like hallucinate, <laughs> I was like, I want to go back there. Mm-hmm. So I don't want it mm-hmm. to be too fast that I don't get to step into that space and spend time there. So in my mind, I'm like four hours, just, just give me four hours. Like four hours seems like enough time to let things progress to the point of not feeling kind of like railroaded by a super fast labor, but also like long enough to go to that place. So in my mind, four hours is like the perfect time. And so again, this is at like noonish when it really picked up and let's see. Yeah. Like all the pieces were in place. So my daughter was sleeping. My husband was home. My doula was there. The midwives were on standby and it was just like my brain and body are like, all right, it's go time. Everything's like lined up perfectly. Let's have this baby. Mm-hmm. So I, um, my mantra for this one was it's not pain, it's power. And because in the first one, like I knew, I knew pain was part of it or could be part of it for some people. It's not, but I knew that it was likely going to feel pain and that like what that means is my body's opening, right? Like that piece of me understanding the stages. So for this one, I wanted to take that a step further, like, yeah, and it's powerful and it's purposeful and like work with it, like transmute it from just being pain to being something powerful. So in my mind, it just kept saying like, it's not pain, it's power. And as I said that, I was like, you know, keeping my jaw loose and I'm a really loud, like animalistic birther, like making like deep guttural, just like noises the whole time. And I think part of that is me just kind of trying to match the intensity of what I'm feeling, but also like really doing that helps me keep my jaw loose. So very, very vocal. And as it was getting super intense while I'm getting like those hip squeezes, I'm kind of swaying side to side and I start and I'm hallucinating. So then I go into this hallucination place where this time, and this isn't something I thought I would like imagine this envision this it just came to me when I was like in that space I'm swaying side to side, like knees open, hips opening. And I'm imagining my Yoni as like a fire breathing dragon. And like, every time Mm. I'm like, ah, like opening my jaw and making these animal noises is like, there's fire coming out of my Yoni, like opening it. (laughs) Again, I wish I could draw these things. (laughs) But like that visualization with like, it's not pain, it's power and like a fire breathing Yoni dragon, (laughs) like really (laughs) helped me like get through (laughs) the hard stuff. Um, Uh, gosh, what else? So I guess after that, we live in a two-story house and I was laboring in my bedroom on the second floor. And I was like, let's go walk the stairs. Let's keep this moving, which it was moving. I don't know. I don't know why I wanted to like keep it moving. It was moving, but yeah, I did the stairs twice. And then I get to the top and I have like another just giant contraction. And clearly like my body is like, you're in the next phase or, you know, like it's moving. Mm -hmm. So I go to the toilet for a while and I labor there for a bit. Um, my birth pool is already blown up and it's being filled. I like, cannot wait to get in. I want that like hot water on my belly so bad. So as soon as it's high enough, I'm in it and they're still filling it for me, which is great. Cause I wanted it higher. And, um, it's probably, you know, three 30 now, Marin and Ashley are there. My daughter's still in bed and I'm just laboring in the birth pool and it feels great. And I, feels like the next level. Like I'd gotten sweaty and nauseous and kind of shaky. And I'm like, okay, this must be transition again. I really don't want to barf this time though. So let's hurry up and get this baby out. <laughs> so I don't have to barf within <laughs> my mind. Like, let's just finish this. And, um, again, in my mind though, I'm prepared for like pushing for two hours again. So I'm like, oh great. I'm probably gonna have to throw up. So after a while, I'm not getting relief between contractions. They're just kind of on top of each other and they're huge powerful. And at one point, and I'm holding people's hands. Like I just have to be touching someone and like squeezing and touching. And at one point my doula leans over and my husband had gone to go get our daughter who was now awake. And she's like, I have to go get him. And like, in my mind, I'm like, Oh my God, that means the baby's coming. Like, that's why you have to go get him. Amazing. This is great. Uh Things are moving. And we had prepared her a lot. She, um, you know, we showed her pictures of her birth. We'd watched videos of home births, we'd made practice noises, you know, like this is what mommy might sound like. And so she was pretty prepared as much as a two-year-old can be. 
And yeah. So she joined the birth space. My husband came back and he says from his end, he was waking her up and getting her out of bed. And the jeweler ran and she's like, Hey, you want to see your baby be born? You got to come. <laughs> so he was like, Oh, let's go. And <laughs> so they rushed back in and it's probably four o'clock ish at this point. And, um, let's see. Yeah. It's getting really intense for me. And then I have these four massive contractions. Like I'll never forget them. And each time it was just like the baby dropped. It was like thud. Like it was like a massive movement in my body. Like these contractions were like hugely powerful and they moved the baby each time. And the baby moved just like lower, 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 lower each contraction. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's wild. I never really felt or was aware of feeling in my first birth, the baby moving in my body during labor and feeling her like moving like down was just such a cool, cool feeling. So my daughter, she's so chatty and she, oh gosh, it was really cute. She was narrating it from her two-year-old perspective. Like mama's in the birth pool and mama's working hard. And it was really cute. And at one time, like at the top of one of those four really big contractions, it was I was like, shh, like, you gotta help her be quiet. But other than that, it was fine. Like, it just felt normal and natural to have her there. It was more work to like try and stay in my head with her talking the whole time. But to me, I'm like, that's just having a baby with another baby. Like, that's my daughter and I want her here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna deal with that. Um, and I'm so glad she was there because she still talks about it all the time. Um that's so sweet. Yeah, she loved being there. And special. She loves, yeah. she talks about birth all the time. It's hilarious. And she'll talk about all the body parts. And I'm like, that's awesome. So, that's so awesome. Yeah. So this time I start feeling the fetal ejection reflex. I'm like, oh, without a doubt, that's what this is. <laughs> like, there's a baby coming out of me. So my body is just like pushing this head down and I can feel it moving like every step of the way out of my body. And it feels so good. It's like this purposeful moving down and out. And, um, I'm trying to like work with my breath to not let it happen too fast. Cause it kind of felt just like, here it comes. Like, <laughs> so I was like, let's, let's slow this down a little bit. Oh my gosh, this is happening too fast. And so I'm like, kind of trying to like breathe her head out. It's coming out no matter what. So I'm trying to keep it slow and like yeah. controlled and not just like push it, you know, I had a second degree tear with my first and that also made postpartum really hard and the healing was tough. So I was hoping to try and avoid more tearing. So her head came out with that one ejection push. And mm-hmm. I remember like announcing the heads out and we have this part on video and my husband like holds the side of the birth phone, like looks down and he's like, Oh my God. <laughs> like again, like it was happening so fast for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. and again, he, you know, it took me an hour to get the head out last time or whatever. So it was just wild that in this one push, her whole head was born. And mm-hmm. I had that like amazing long pause that people talk about like the head is out. And then you get this long pause where, you know, the baby's like turning inside of you. And I kind of came into my body a little bit and opened my eyes because they'd been closed. And I opened them and like looked at my husband and daughter, you know, right there by the birth pool and smiled at them. I'm just like, everything's going to change. Like right now, <laughs> like it's been mm-hmm. us three. It's about to be us four. And I'll always like, remember that moment. It was just so special to like be aware of, you know, like mm-hmm. that tiny little moment in time we had. And, and then the next contraction came and it was a big one and her body just pushed out of my body. I pushed a little bit with mm-hmm. that one and mm-hmm. she just came out into the birth pool and I grabbed her little arm arms and she had this little grimace on her face, which is so her personality <laughs> and, uh, just brought her right up to my chest and like literally just sat there in disbelief that I had just had this baby. Like five hours ago, I was cooking lunch. Like what, what just happened? <laughs> like now I've got a whole yeah. baby out of me. And, um, again, like I said, I was in that space the whole time of like, maybe I won't have a baby. Maybe I will. And then now I have a baby and it's like, okay, you did have a baby. Like what, what? (laughs) Um, and we didn't know, we didn't know if it was going to be a boy or girl. We kept this one, you know, team green. We known with our first, but this one we're like, let's be surprised. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'd had some very vivid dreams that it was a boy, but I still thought it was a girl. Like I thought those dreams were something else, but 
And so, and my daughter called it her sister the whole time she was adamant. It was a sister. And so then, yeah, we checked and it was a girl and, um, also it was nearly a four hour birth. Like I had kind of manifested and hoped for it was four and a half hours from, you know, intensity, mm-hmm. the time it got intense. Um, and yeah, it was perfect. And I had a little separation bleed when my placenta detached, but then like not another drop. I, um, I really, really wanted to like own this third stage, not just to heal, like what happened, you know, with the first time, but to own like the whole part of the whole birth process, I guess, you know, from start to finish. So I knew my placenta was detached and then I started getting the after pains. And in my mind, I was like, once I get this placenta out, those after pains are going to get better not the case, but I was determined to get it out anyway. And, you know, I tried to get out in the birth pool for a bit, got out of the birth pool, did some lunges, finally just moved to the bed, like laid my baby down, took some deep breaths, kind of squatted, held the cord kind of, you know, like the, the end of the cord to provide a little traction, like kind of did a lunge and it slid right out. And it was amazing. And again, like no bleeding. It was just perfect. Like I owned it. It was perfect. It was everything I'd planned for. And I really feel like the prep work for that made that possible for me, like knowing what to expect, knowing the different positions I could try for me helped me own it like all by myself. So that was amazing. Um, I was able to, you know, like take a shower by myself that night, a real quick one. Cause I wanted to get back to the baby, but like, I didn't have to have people walking me around cause I was going to faint and just a totally different feeling after that. And I think a lot of that led into having a more easeful postpartum too, because I wasn't going into it so, mm-hmm. so depleted, you know, from bleeding and from yeah. diet stuff. And um, like I said, I planned for this postpartum. So I had someone there for almost a month. You know, my mother-in-law would stay with us during the week and my mom would come on the weekends. Um and I know how lucky we are to have that and how blessed we are to have family who will do that for us and who I trust to do that for us mm-hmm. uh, and who I felt comfortable asking to do that for us. It made all the difference though. And, um, yeah, I really, really believe that like we could change the whole world if mothers and babies had starts like that, because it changed everything for my postpartum which in turn changed how I mothered, you know, my now two daughters. Um, yeah, just the trajectory switch, you know, like helped everything. Um, and that's kind of what I hope to convey to my own daughters as they grow too, is like, this is the way, this is the way we're here for each other and for the women in our circles and the women in our families. And this is how we're going to take care of them. And mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope to be a catalyst for them and other women in our circle. Hey, oh, Lindsay, thank you so much. Um, And yeah, in your last little bit, I am in total full agreement with all that you said. Um, And again, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Thank you so much for allowing me to record you and to hold space for you today. It is such an honor and I genuinely appreciate you so much. Um, And is there any last parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Um, Yeah. Well, one, thank you also for having me. This podcast and birth podcasts were a huge piece of my mind shift on pregnancy and birth and motherhood many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like full circle of being able to add my, my story to the mix. So thank you also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think just to kind of reiterate more of what I said of, you know, how we move through those early postpartum days, sets the tone, not just for how we mother, but for how we ourselves transition, you know, from maiden to mother or mother to mother if it's a subsequent birth. And Mm -hmm. that reproductive window is such a powerful time to heal and rebirth ourselves. And if we could just collectively take care of each other and learn to trust the process and surrender to the process, I think it would bring just such healthier humans into the world. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Lindsay, again, thank you so much. Um, yeah, such a such a blessing to have you here and share your story with everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.